recognition that a family doesn't exist in and of itself for itself, but a family exists to choose a life of sacrifice. Hey, and welcome back to the Dad and Lad podcast. This is episode four, and we're going to be looking at what is a Christian family. On this podcast, we talk about children, parents, family, and ministry. My name is Jonathan, and I'm with my dad, Lawson, and we serve with Scripture Union Canada. All right, Dad, let's jump in today's episode. Um, let's just start with a, a fun question. What are some of your favorite family memories? Maybe a recent impactful memory. We spend so much time together as a family, which is amazing. Um, and we have a big extended family. What's mm-hmm. been a, a highlight recently? Well, the moment you say big extended family, the first thought that pops into my mind was our New Year celebration, mm. where uh, we had where we had a bit of a dance party here in the living room, mm-hmm. and we had that light going that your brother Matt had brought along. Yeah, man, that was so much fun and so energetic. The kids brought the laser tag. Yes, <laughs> running through the house, and, and the kids all jumping around yeah. and. I have to say, as a grandparent, just keeping up with you guys, man, that's fun in and of itself. One of my favorite things is when I ask my my daughter, um, who are your friends? She just says her cousins. Right. So at this point, family is her friend. Yes. And I think that's awesome. Now, family, what is it? That has been an age-old question. And... Mm-hmm. And uh, we can, we can, I want to explore that just maybe kind of the idea of types of families and historically, like in the Western world, um, previous generations would have been, and I guess the modernity type of thought would have really been promoting the nuclear family. And that was kind of what really was promoted mother, father, and a few children. And now it seems like in the Western world, Anything but the nuclear family is being promoted. And yet there are pros and cons to both in, in a way, right? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. family is, there is multiple types of families. And so it wasn't necessarily helpful back then to just be promoting one idea of a family. Mm-hmm. However, there's some dangers where we are now. Can you just make a few comments? Yeah, even before I comment on that, I'm thinking of your use of the phrase multiple types of families. Mm. Now, I remember as a Scripture Union uh, team just a couple of months ago, as you know, uh, we sat down and we identified how many different kinds of practical yeah. connections of families there were. And I think we came up with over 20, didn't we? I don't know, maybe even more. I just remember post-it notes flying all over that boardroom yes. table and we had lots of different types of families listed. Right. So we recognize that there's all sorts of configurations, if you That's like, right. of, of families. Also, as, as we sort of easing into this topic, I'm, I'm thinking about how over the centuries the idea changes. Mm. You, you've mentioned modernity, but if you push back beyond that, and you mentioned the nuclear family sort of defining modernity, but pushing back beyond that, uh, families were more extended, and we spoke of the extended family. Yeah. And, and we understood families to be uh, maybe parents and children and often grandparents uh, living in the home as well, sometimes an uncle or an aunt. Yeah. Uh, so, so they were bigger arrangements and different arrangements then as well. So we've seen a, a, a big shift, haven't we? And, and culturally, things are shifting at different 
paces where depending on where you live Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. just because in the western world there might be a big emphasis now on promoting all the different types of families and some we could say would not be healthy uh family structures biblically right um in other parts of the world that might be less or more of a concern right and so uh we need to recognize that there are and and you grew up in South Africa, which actually is very different of a understanding of how families, right, right, have operated, right. So yes, because certainly in Africa, when I was growing up, uh, fam- families were thought of in a more extended way than they were at the same time in the in the West, mm-hmm. here and for us here in North America. Just to continue, sort of defining it, the family generally. My understanding, certainly as I read sociologists today, is, is that the family is, is defined as some kind of a grouping for procreation and socialization. Mm. I think those would be some of the key words that, that sociologists would use. Um, and they would see the purpose of the family primarily for, uh, for nurturing one yeah, another. Caring providing a safe place, being a place of caring, as you said there, uh, making home where, where you belong and passing on whatever your legacy might be in terms of your family or cultural background mm. from one generation to another. I think, loosely speaking, that would be the general understanding of what family is today. Which, uh, in a positive sense, and there, that classic adage home is where the heart is the recognition that mm-hmm. where, where you feel at home and where you call family is where there's a sense of peace and stability and comfort mm-hmm. and now in the positive aspect i would say in the western world this idea of extending the family beyond the nuclear just mother and father children is this idea that a family should be a place where we can bring people in and there can be a sense of belonging and as christians there, mm-hmm. there needs to be this idea that um, whether through blood connection or not, we should be acting in line with a heavenly father as ones who bring in and who mm-hmm. are operating as his children and seeing the family of God at a larger scale. That might be a bit, uh, well, maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves now, but I guess all I'm saying is in a way there was a negative idea of the nuclear family because it was just trying to make borders, put down walls, and it kind of missed the idea of there there are many different ways of right. family that can be really beautiful. Aunts and uncles and um you know, grandparents as we started mm-hmm. this whole podcast talking mm-hmm. about that. And so um Which which I think brings us to to say what then uniquely is a Christian family. Exactly. Recognize that there might be multiple types and we call family, we live with maybe different family arrangements, cousins Mm -hmm. or whatever it is, even around the world. But what is a Christian family? Right. Um, And how can we make a defining kind of purpose in the biggest sense of what it means to actually live for God and not just be a collection collected group of Christians, but to actually operate as a Christian family. And there's a collective aspect of right. doing something for God's purposes together. And so let's talk about it. What is a Christian family? Well, 
let's let's jump i think to the scriptures on this and while yeah. while the scriptures don't give a definitive answer i i have uh, i have reflected particularly on colossians 3:17 mm. over the years as i've thought about this question and and in colossians 3:17 we read there whatever you do whether in word or deed do it all in the name of the lord jesus and there's that little phrase in there whatever you do and obviously for us as believers being family is part of the what, what, what whatever do. you do and so uh, certainly from colossians 3:17 it seems to me the higher purpose of the family is to reflect jesus to the world at large mm-hmm. to 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 be his to live in his way and then to reflect him to others and that's the distinguishing mark it's it's more than being a safe place more than uh socialization socialization it 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 raises the bar because it now says no what makes us christian as a family is that jesus is front and center this is about living for him loving him and proclaiming his love to the world through what we say and do. Yeah, I think it's setting the bar and the perspective in the right way. Because in doing that, that still means that we families look after one another. There is healthy social interactions. There's a healthy physical environment, right? And there mm-hmm. are all those other things of growth and socialization that are happening. But it's where's our perspective, right? Set our perspective on the right place. And our perspective is that we right. are to families, Christian families are to reflect Jesus reflect the gospel, mm-hmm. and so how do they do that? How do, how do how do you reflect the gospel, and how do you reflect Jesus? Right, I, I think certainly, and that's a big question in and of itself, and we won't have time to answer all of that. But one thing that comes immediately to mind for me is certainly from the parents' perspective, and this is what I endeavoured to do through the years that you were in the home with your siblings. Uh, I like to think of the home as being a discipleship mm. uh, center. And that isn't uh, an original thought to me. I, I originally read it uh, in something written by Rob Renau, uh, who's an author and teacher. But the whole idea that the Christian family is a, a center for the faith formation mm. of the children and the parents, of course, along with that, because I can't. I can't disciple you in the way of Christ if I myself am not continuing to learn how to be a disciple of Christ. And so I think that's a a big part of it. uh, Because I can't reflect Jesus to the world at large if I haven't first engaged with him and and learned to walk in his ways and according to his plans and purposes. Would you go so far to say that the family is a privileged uh, environment, so to speak? Of discipleship, oh, for sure, and and I and I fundamentally believe that God places us in the families that we are placed in. Mm-hmm. It's no accident that you are my son and I am your father. That's why we're called the Dad and Lad podcast. <laughs> there you go, <laughs> forever a lad, <laughs> oh, forever a dad. Oh, I love that. Yeah, and and. And I guess it's a good recognition that we, I think you mentioned one, in one of your blog posts too, we can never outsource discipleship. No. Like, no. 
it's a it's a shame that sometimes we can think that to be a Christian family would just to put our kids in the right programs and the right Sunday school structures and those are all good things and to make sure that they are receiving from others mm-hmm. uh, the proper information of what it means to live for the Lord. But actually, you can't outsource it no. because that won't be healthy. At the end of the day, you, uh, the family, uh, includes parents, uncles, aunts, grandparents, you all need to be invested collectively, sharpening one another, mm-hmm. and especially the children, um, as discipling each other and one another. And you can't outsource that. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. You've said it so well. The family exists to help each other grow in Christ. And when I say each other, I recognize how you've helped me Mm. as my son. It's not just a downward mentoring sort of idea from parents to children. It it goes both ways. How how we grow in him together and how we exist in a family uh, as a result of that to then make a difference in the world Mm. for Jesus. Can you make a comment in one of your blogs? I was just wanting to understand this idea a bit more. You reference Andrew Root, who's a professor of youth and family ministry, and he calls the purpose of the family as requiring cruciform negation. That was his words. Cruciform negation. Um, idea of, I guess, sacrifice. Do you want to explain more what you understood that to mean? Yes, it's it's a powerful picture, isn't it? Because it... In using that phrase, what he's doing is he's saying that the family needs to look to the cross. Mm-hmm. And, and we know that as we look to the cross, uh, the cross speaks of sacrifice. And, and so that adds this whole element to the idea of what is the purpose of the family to, to bring us to this place. It's a recognition that a family doesn't exist in and of itself, for itself. But a family exists to choose a life of sacrifice. To put not itself first, which is our natural inclination, because we are always, as families, tempted towards our own wants and wishes. And we have a tendency to favor inwardness and insularity. Mm. But no, if, if we are to be a Christian family... We, we can't be geared towards profit and pleasure. We have to be geared to saying, how just as Christ gave up his life for the world, can we give up ourselves as a family sacrificially for each other, for our communities at large, and ultimately for the world? I've sometimes said that it's more than hanging uh, a cross on the wall. Uh, we need to physically take up that cross and follow him as we encourage to do in Matthew 16, 24. Hmm. Thanks so much for listening to the Dad and Lad podcast brought to you by Scripture Union. Check out our bookstore online at christianbookscanada.ca. Today we've been talking about the family, the many different types of family and what we call family. We've been looking at what it means to be a Christian family, and how we are to reflect Jesus to the world at large. And that requires sacrifice in following in Jesus' footsteps in the way of the cross. And so we're going to look at that a bit more and talk about how we can practically live sacrificially to one another as a Christian family.
All right, Dad, so how does that look practically? How do we take up the cross as families and how do we live self-sacrificially? What would that look like? I think the first thing that you and I would both say is to take up the cross, we need to certainly be taking up the Word of God. Mm-hmm. If we are not reading, reflecting, remembering, and responding to God's Word, we are not in a place to take up the cross mm-hmm. because we need to be informed. That's right. We need to know the gospel. And empowered by Him to do it. Exactly. And, and part of that empowering comes through engagement uh, with with the Word of God. That's right. So, yes, I think we would want to start by saying the most important thing we can do as family, practically, mm-hmm. to to be a family that is absolutely Christian in, in focus and intent, mm-hmm. is to be uh, a family who are immersed in, engaged with, interacting with, constantly with the word of god yeah that's a good priority those daily rhythms will establish the proper and good fruit that comes from mm-hmm. being self-sacrificial to one another as a family and we would want to serve one another and love one another but rather than just doing things we need to have the power and we need to have like how you said we need to be informed in how we are to do right, that right. and christ meets us in his word and so can we just unpack those words a bit more um, practically? Uh, we know them, but what does it look like to read and to reflect and to remember and to respond to God's word collectively as a family? Um, how can we read God's word together? Let's start there. Oh, now you're asking me something that's really in my wheelhouse, because as you know, I wrote the book Bible Engagement Basics, which explores... All the different fun ways you can read. <laughs> Absolutely. And that word read is... It shouldn't be heard restrictively because yeah. that word read means hear, it means listen, it means interact with God's word, it means engage with God's word, it means connect with God's word yeah. because it's so much more than just using our eye gate to pick up text that we absorb into our brain and into our hearts. Yeah. Uh, so... So reading essentially means receiving God's word, Mm -hmm. uh, drawing it in in a variety of ways through all of our senses. Yeah. And and in all the different ways that we learn, because we know that we all learn in multiple uh, ways. I think it brings out the idea that there could be formal times around the dinner time or let's say breakfast table where you read God's word. Yes. But I think even more so, and they show this within... Um, different statistics and tracking with cohorts of those who children especially in youth and young adults who have kept the faith it's because they saw parents and family members interact in informal times whether it was bringing God's word in through a teachable moment or if they saw them living it out um, mm. and there was a really powerful statistic of just children who saw who visually saw their parents reading they wouldn't even have to be reading God's word right. together, but if they just saw that they were reading God's word, it would be sending messages. Wow, they really see this as important. What's well, the whole principle of more is caught than taught? Exactly. And interestingly, as you say that, it's just reminding me that even though when you were 
a little older and you were still in the home, I could have been reading the scriptures on my phone. While you were still living in the home, I never used my phone. I always, when I was sitting privately reading the scriptures, opened hmm. uh, a printed copy of the Bible because I recognized that if I was holding a phone, you wouldn't have known what I was doing. Yeah. So I wanted to model to you, yeah. even at that point, that I was in the Word of God. And it's that informal piece that you're talking about, isn't it? And and even though, from my context, <laughs> this is not too hard because I live in a small townhouse with not a lot of space anyway. My wife and I have tried to make a practice that rather than just maybe retreating to our rooms to do our quiet time, mm. though that is important, to also have times where we are just in the living room and reading the Bible visually so they some of our children can see. Right. Um, like I said, that's a bit easier within our context, but that is so important. They need to see. Yes. Um, and that needs to be part of our rhythms of reading, formal times, informal, and making sure that they're catching it right. as well. Now, reflecting. How can we reflect on God's Word? What is that word really getting at? For me, reflection is any and all the different ways in which we creatively interact with the text with the story uh, capital S in a way in which we imprint it on our hearts so that includes everything from creative reading of the scriptures so we might even have different family members memorizing reading it. it it would include memorization of the scriptures acting out the scriptures Man, oh man, I remember so many great times where we acted uh, out the, the Word of God. But, and, and right through to even practicing things like Lectio Divina, where there is a time of silence and we allow the Spirit of God yeah. to speak to us as a family. And we actually say to our children, we're going to have a time of contemplation or meditation on God's Word. And we want you just to sit quietly and think about that verse that we read. To singing it, to yes. reading it, to writing oh. it. To There's many different ways we can reflect and engage. And uh, let's just go to the, maybe one of the final words, responding. responding. Being a doer of the word. Now, how can we, and maybe that's really where it is, how we display what it means uh, to be a Christian family in the way that we serve yes. one another. But also beyond maybe the context and the walls of our home, it should overflow to bringing more people in. Kind of like we said at the very start, a Christian family needs to look around, look and listen, see where the needs are, Mm. and also their immediate community and neighborhood. Well, you know, one of my little sayings is that as believers, we need to be Nike Christians. And the little saying, as we all know, which goes along with that uh, flash, the Nike flash, is just do it. And, and families need to impress on themselves the fact that we are called to obey God's word, to just do it. We have only truly engaged with God's word at the point in which we put it into action, where, where we put feet and hands to what we have read, where we then go out and help our neighbor yeah. And and do the things that we have been reading about in the scriptures. So that's the respond bit. And, and we need to think about how to do that creatively. We need to 
bundle our kids up in the car and drive down to the local mm-hmm. soup kitchen and help serve uh, soup to yeah. to those who who need a square meal and so on. We we need to actively make that happen. It's so powerful. Families on mission. From my experience, maybe just to back up, I remember thinking when I was younger, a missionary, my idea of missionary was to be a single man um, in a foreign country, right. preaching the word of God in every street corner. And that is a calling of many, and that's great. But I've also recognized the power of being a family on mission. Mm-hmm. One of the things I've recognized and seen is when my wife and I decided to do prayer walks just in our neighborhood, just by taking our kids out in the stroller and walking around. Wow, we suddenly had more opportunities to connect with families at the park and have conversations, and Mm. that would lead to spiritual conversations. It seemed like just having kids was like a cheat code to connect with others. (laughs) Um, And kids, I think, break down uh, some barriers sometimes within that. And like you said, when you you can serve together as a family, barriers can be broken. When families Mm. are truly on mission... There is a such a beauty and a blessing from God mm. that goes ahead in that. And yeah, I think the, the Holy Spirit really empowers families to connect in a beautiful way because you're now able to connect with other families holistically. If I was always just a single man on a mission, if I was doing mission let's say work as a single man, I wouldn't be able to connect like I now know I can can relate to others who have kids or this is the idea of community and connecting and right. empathizing and relating and at the core of relationship and and responding when we can respond as a family and rather than just trying to do ministry as individuals. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's really powerful. I bet we could talk a lot more about that. Well, Ecclesiastes 4, two are better than one and a yeah. cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Mm-hmm. Johnny, as we wrap this up, uh, I just want to ask you maybe to share the story that you shared with me before we started oh, yeah. this just podcast, which which was on the reflecting part of what we're talking about. Yeah, my 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 daughter she loves stories. Right now, it's the dinner time. She just asked for a story, and so I said, "Okay, let me tell you a Jesus story tonight." And I did get the Bible out as a reference to the story of Jesus walking on the water, but. I, knowing her understanding and where she's at, I was wanting to make it a bit more dramatic. And so I said, okay, we're going to pretend right now that this dinner uh, table is a boat. Can you picture it? Can you see the waves? Can you see the wind? And she said, yeah, I can see that. And uh, my wife got in and suddenly we started making the tapping noise for thunder and blowing like the waves. And then we said, Jesus, friends, they were scared. And... They were being rocked, and I was trying to rock like the boat. And I, and then I said, suddenly they looked out and they saw Jesus walking on the water, and they all were terrified. And we started making some sound effects, and her eyes were just wide open, peel and loving, and a big smile on her face because she loves stories right now. And we just dramatized it. And then I said, and one of Jesus' friends actually wanted to get out of the boat, and he may not even be able to know how to swim. And I just asked, what do you think is going to happen? And she's like, I don't know. And so <laughs> I, I stepped out of my chair at the dinner time and pretended to walk. And I said, I was able, Peter was able to walk because Jesus allowed him to walk on the water. And we just talked about that story. And I even dramatized how, but then I looked away and I would start sinking. And but then Jesus grabbed him. And anyway, all I have to say is we kind of just dramatized it around our dinner time. It was nothing more than that. And it was really fun. And it's just because it's the stage of, that we're at of how we can reflect mm-hmm. on God's word. 
And as soon as I sat down and I said, what do you think? My daughter said, another Jesus story. And I said, we'll do another one tomorrow night. So I'm looking forward to tonight to thinking of what story we can dramatize tonight. And so let's immerse our children. Let's immerse our families Amen. in God's word. Let's read, reflect, and respond and recognize that a Christian family has a very high calling. And maybe that's a great place to end our podcast and to thank everyone for joining us today. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that story, Johnny. Yeah, no problem. This is the Dad and Lad podcast. We'll see you next week. We're going to explore a bit more. We'll do a part two on what a Christian family is in the greater context of the family at large, the church family. So see you next week. God bless.